Today on Walk in Truth, we have a guest speaker we affectionately call Coach, Pastor Chris Van Hook, and he's going to be talking to us about having a prophetic worldview. What is that? Well, it is a view. It's living your life in light of the second coming, in light of the day of the Lord. It motivates you to live the right way when you know your Lord is coming and you know that you're going to meet him and there's going to be an accounting for how you lived and what you did. And there's going to be a reward that goes with it. Well, Pastor Coach Chris Van Hook will tell us more today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Now, Peter, and I love this, now he's going to bring up another fact that escapes the notice of the scoffers. Look at verse 8. He says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice. He's saying, look, the scoffers let this all escape their notice, but don't you guys, don't you let this fact escape your notice. Beloved, that the, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. What Peter's trying to do here is he's giving you an explanation for those who, who say, you know, the early church looked for a soon return of Jesus, but he didn't come back. Therefore, God's word is unreliable. Well, Peter's saying, no, 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 that's not true. In fact, what he's doing here, and you may not have known this because this, this verse is taken out of context a lot, and you may not have known this, but Peter is actually paraphrasing Psalm 90 verse four. You can turn there if you want, but I'll read it to you. It's Psalm 90, verse four. And listen to the way the psalmist puts it. He says, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes or as a watch in the night. So Peter is actually paraphrasing that and saying, for the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. And look, this is simply an expression to teach us that God is outside of time. All time is present to him. You know, God never looks at a clock and says, oh, quitting time. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that there's no clock that says quitting time for God, that he's available 24-7? All time is present time to him. This, this term, this phrase it's not to be taken literally as though one day actually equals 1,000 years. There are some people that have tried to do that. And, and I will say there is some thought of the notion of, you know, there's a lot of patterns in the Bible of six and one. We talked about them on Sunday, didn't we? Six and one, six days you work, one day you rest. There's also some patterns of two plus one. And there are a lot of people that, that feel strongly that, you know, the, the thousand years, we're at 2,000, maybe it's the 3,000. That's a waste of time. Sorry. That's a waste of time. This is a simile. It's to give us the idea that God doesn't have a time clock in the way that we think of one. But some have even used this to say this, and like I said, they take it out of context, and they've used it to diminish the idea of a literal millennial kingdom. They say, well, you know, look, a day's a thousand years, so maybe God didn't really mean a thousand years there. And others have used it to, to, to say, well, there aren't really seven literal days of creation. Look, the Bible says a day's like a thousand years. 
Well, even if that was true, you're only talking about 7,000 years, not billions of years like they want to have, okay? And that's not true. The Bible's very specific in Genesis about days, and certainly when it comes to the millennium, if you go to Revelation 2 and look at verses 1 through 6, uh, you'll see that there's clear evidence. Is that 2? I might have I missed one. It might have been 12. Gives clear evidence of a literal 1,000-year reign. Just read that, and you'll see that we're not talking about a simile here, a metaphor. It's literally a 1,000-year reign of Christ with his church on the earth before the earth is destroyed. So what we can take away from this is, is the church age, this time that we live in right now, you know, in God's economy, it's been like a couple of days. So if you really want to get somebody that says, ah, oh, you know, 2,000 years, the church said Jesus is coming back and he's not coming back. And you go, well, it really hasn't been 2,000 years. It's been a couple of days. So we can wait a little longer. I think it's okay. Now look, we know that God has a reason and a purpose in everything he does. So Peter's going to tell us then, why is it that the day of the Lord hasn't yet come? Why is it? Now remember, we're only talking here about 30 years after, after Jesus had left the earth. But he says in verse 9, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. You see, God's purpose in waiting is just to give people time. Even these people who are scoffers and mockers, he's giving them time to repent, to turn to him, and to come into relationship with him. And you know, I, I don't know about you, but I'm always amazed at how God desires that everyone would come to him, even those who scoff and mock and are in disbelief. You know, I think of those who who openly mocked him during the trial and, and while Jesus was on the cross, and yet his desire was for each one of them to come to repentance and to turn to him. And, and of course, we can look at people like that, but we have to remember, we were the same. We may not have stood there and openly mocked him or spit on him like they did during that time period, but look, our our actions, our rebellion against him for however long it was in your life, our actions speak just as loud as those words did. But remember that he was patient with us as well. And aren't we glad that the Lord did not return before we came to repentance? Aren't we glad? Well, the last verse here, and I wasn't even gonna cover this, so Pastor Michael probably be mad. This was gonna be his verse. But we already read it, so let's go through it. <laughs> verse 10, he says, and I want you to look closely here because there are four wills that you're gonna see in this verse. He says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So you see, there's four wills in there, and that means that these things will absolutely take place in the future. They will happen. And all of this is what leads us to this idea of why it's so important for us to, to have a prophetic worldview. Because you see, knowing that these things are going to happen, we, we can't afford to get caught up in this world, the world that we're just passing through. 
You know, I think about Billy Graham passing on this week and how many things there were posted about him and how many times it was posted that Billy Graham would, would say, look, I don't live here, I'm just passing through. He, along with Pastor Chuck Smith, both said, hey, you know, there's gonna be rumors that I'm dead, don't believe it, I just changed the dress. I just moved. We can't afford to get caught up knowing what we know. We can't get, afford to get caught up or we also can't afford to get too comfortable in our circumstance. And I think we can all be guilty of that. Even us believers who, who we know Jesus is coming back, but it's easy to get comfortable, isn't it? It's easy to just think that, okay, yeah, I know he's coming back, but I still have to deal with all this right now. And that's true, we do, but I think a prophetic worldview will help us to deal correctly with what we have to deal with. Now look, Peter's gonna finish this letter by giving some real practical applications, and Pastor Michael will teach on that next time, but I just have some thoughts on why I think this is so important, what I think is important, and they're, they're really my thoughts. You can take them or leave them if you want. I won't be offended, um, but I think these are things that, that I feel like God has spoken to me as I've looked at this particular passage and, and really just been looking at the church in these past, say, uh, five years or so, because I see a lot of things, and I spend a lot of time uh, looking at what's going on in the church, especially in America. I think one of the important things is having a prophetic worldview balances our Christian worldview. I think if... If we don't think about what God has promised concerning our future, sometimes it can skew how we look at the present. You know, especially when we start thinking about, and I don't know about you, but, you know, I read a lot of the news, probably more than I should. And, you know, to be honest, when you see the evil that goes on, I mean, every single day you, you read these things and you just go, how could that happen? It's so horrible. And I think it's easy to get caught up in that. And I think we could really get depressed without a prophetic worldview, without understanding what will happen. You know, sometimes Jeremiah, who was called the weeping prophet, you know, I relate to that. Um, and sometimes David felt this way. Jeremiah 12, one says, righteous are you, O Lord, that I would plead my case with you. Indeed, I would discuss matters of justice with you. Why has the way of the wicked prospered? Why are all those who deal in treachery at ease. You ever felt that way? Looking at what's going on? Sure. But look, if we know the end of godless men, we just read what the end of godless men is. We don't have to worry that evil's gonna prevail. It's not going to. So I think it balances out our Christian worldview. The second thing I think is that Though we might disagree on the timing of certain events, you know, and especially the rapture. I don't know why we get so worked up about this. Look, um, I, I freely admit to you, I have a different position than Pastor Michael does. We have a lot of fun discussing it. He's always trying to convince me. I'm always trying to convince him. I don't think it'll happen. Neither one of us is going to budge on this. But it's okay. It's okay. Those things are not so important. But there are certain things concerning correct um, interpretation of prophecy that really are. And I think the, the, the first one is we need to have a sure knowledge that Jesus will return just as he said he would. 
Even if we disagree on timing, we Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. I just want to share my heart for a second. We have a website called walkintruth.com and we put up a store and we're adding more and more products to it. But one of the reasons I want to get you to that store is that you can partner with us in the ministry. You know, radio airtime costs money and we want to reach more people. If you're being blessed by this ministry, one of the ways that you can partner with us is to go to the website and purchase a product. You can also purchase my book on The Armor of God. I'll get you a signed copy and whatever you give to the ministry will go directly to paying for radio airtime. That's one way you can partner with us. You can help us reach more people like you and you can partner with us in the gospel ministry. It's a great thing. We appreciate you. We love you. Pray for us. We'll keep praying for you. Reach out to us today through the store at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. There are certain things concerning correct um, interpretation of prophecy that really are. And I think the, the, the first one is we need to have a sure knowledge that Jesus will return just as he said he would. Even if we disagree on timing, we must agree that Jesus will return. Do you realize there are people who call themselves Christians walking around today that don't think Jesus is going to return? They think this is it. This is the kingdom. Wow. God, I, I feel gypped if this is it. I, I, this is not what I read about. But there are people who, who believe that, who see it that way. We have a sure knowledge that Jesus is going to return because he said he would. And that sure knowledge should bring us hope every day of our life. Every time that you can get really down on something, remember one of two things. Either you're going to go be with Jesus because of your mortality, or he's going to come and take you to be with him. John 14, 2 and 3. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Another one of those wills. I will come again and receive you to myself. He's going to come again. He's going to receive us to him, the bride of Christ, and that where I am, there you may be also. Wherever Jesus is from that point, you're going to be with him. Wow. That gives me hope, and in fact, more than hope, that gets me excited. Doesn't that get you excited? I mean, think about it. Just the possibility that Jesus might come before I face my own mortality gets me excited. I'm like, yeah, I might not have to go through all that. I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be involved in the process. That doesn't sound fun to me. So the thought that Jesus might come tonight, in fact, even before I'm done here, and you guys probably be happy about that too, that gets me excited. Now look, I know it might not happen, but you know what? It might. It might happen. So three, knowing that the return of Jesus could come at any moment encourages us to be about his business. Now look, it's true that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow but I think most of us walking around don't expect that we're going to just die tomorrow or tonight. Most of us go to bed at night thinking we're going to get up in the morning. Amen? Yeah. 
I hope so. Maybe there's some times where we go to bed, we don't think that it's been a rough day or we're going through something. But most of the time we go to bed and, you know, we're singing the Annie song, the sun will come up tomorrow. <laughs> or at least I'll get up tomorrow, one or the other. I don't think we really think that much about that. Maybe we should more, I don't know. And especially those of you who are younger. You know, when you're younger, there's no way you think that way. That's why you do all the stupid things you do and all the stupid things I did. I could go there, but I won't. <laughs> I could think of a few right offhand. But you know, we don't expect that. But the knowledge and the expectation that Jesus could return at any moment, I think it gives us a sense of urgency that we might not have otherwise. And maybe we should, but I'm not sure we always do. But that thought if we keep that prophetic worldview, that thought in our mind each day when we get up, today could be the day, wow, that's gonna make us think and act a little bit differently. And I think Peter reminds us of this because we may not stand with the scoffers on this issue, but you know what? We can ignore it. We can get up today and not even think about it. And I think not thinking about it, we may not do the things, all the things that God wants us to do. When we have this sense of urgency that he could be back, it causes us to say, okay, I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going to go ahead and do this. God's called me to do it. I'm going to do it. I know there was a point in time when I was still working at Garden Grove High School and working here part-time. And I remember going and talking to Pastor Michael about my desire to be on full-time. And I'll be honest with you, what I said to him was, I just don't feel like what I'm doing here anymore is as valuable as that once was, and I don't want to waste another minute. I don't want to waste another minute of my life. And part of that's my age. Part of that's my age. You, you get to be my age, you start realizing that, you know, in mo all likelihood, you're not going to have as many days ahead as you do behind. You, you guys, young guys, you don't get this. You, you'll get there. I promise you. You know, right now you're like, ah, I got all the time in the world. But also because I've lived in the expectancy most of my Christian life that the Lord was going to return soon. And I'll be honest, I was just like some of those other guys, and I, I get discouraged sometimes that it hasn't happened yet, you know. Um, but then I go back to what Peter is telling us here. Hey, it's only been a couple of days. So I think what it is is that we should live in the expectancy of the soon return of Christ without putting a timetable on it. Because I know that there's been a lot of false teachers and they put these timetables and they make us look stupid, don't they? They make all Christians who believe in the return of Christ look stupid and give more ammunition to the scoffers and the mockers. Well, first of all, it's not scriptural to make those predictions. Shame on them. Jesus specifically told us it's not for us to know the exact time or hour. And every time they make a prediction, I get mad. I wanna call them up and go, don't do that because now he can't come on that day because you predicted it. Don't do that. But it is scriptural to know the seasons. In fact, Jesus spoke on it for an entire chapter in the Bible, Matthew 24. The entire chapter is devoted to telling us about what seasons look like so that we could be aware. Now, of course, he said this to his disciples in Matthew 24, 32, and 33. He said, now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, all these things he's been talking about, 
recognize that he is near right at the door. So he's saying, be aware, have a prophetic worldview. Know what's going on. Recognize the seasons. Don't worry about the exact time or day. Just know what's going on and see the seasons just like you know what happens and what season it is when the fig tree is prepared. That way those men could live their lives knowing what was most important. They could fulfill the calling that Jesus had given them and for none of them was it an easy calling, was it? But they knew they were doing what Jesus had called them to do, that they were gonna go out, they were gonna preach the good news that the Messiah had come and that he had given himself up for mankind. And in that good news, they preached that he would be coming again. But you know what? I think that he spoke those words more for our sake than even for theirs. Because he didn't come back in their lifetime. And we're still waiting. And we need to pay attention to what's going on in the world. And I would say this to you. We need to pay attention to what's going on in the world. And especially, especially in the Middle East. And most especially where? In Israel, that's right. Most especially in Israel. And despite what some people's interpretation of prophecy may be, I promise you this, God is not done with Israel. I promise you that. I'm always befuddled by people who try to say, well, the church, or even more foolishly, America, has replaced Israel in God's plan. Look, just unbiased observation would have to lead you to think differently. Even if you really knew not much of anything. You have to look at a couple of facts. What other nation or people group has been totally dispersed, kept their identity for 2,000 years, and then brought back into their homeland? The answer is, of course, none. No other people group has ever had that happen, and none ever will. They're the only ones in history. So just that unbiased observation would say, there must be something special about this this nation and this people. And in fact, they've done all that while being the most persecuted people group in the history of the world. Just unbiased observation would have to tell you there's something special going on there. And in point of fact, as the British like to say, one of the main purposes of the tribulation period is to bring Israel back into that relationship with God. Psalm 89, 36 and 7 says, His descendants shall endure forever, and his throne is the sun before me, and it shall be established, this is twice, forever, like the moon, and the witness in the sky is faithful. Forever. You see, God said to Abraham, right before he became Abraham, he was still Abram, way back in Genesis 12, that he would bless those that bless him and curse those who curse him. And he was referring to him as the father of the nation of Israel. That's not changed. And this is another reason we need to be able to correctly interpret the prophetic scriptures so that we know what to do when it comes to Israel. We need to understand how to relate to Israel. And we certainly don't want to be the people that curses Israel because God has made a promise that's forever. Now, look, I want to be real clear here. I don't want you to be like a lot of the people were back in the early 70s when prophecy was really a big thing. And people were really getting into, you know, what's going to happen. And I even had some friends that did this back in the early 70s. They thought for sure the rapture was going to come at any minute. And, and they sold their house and they moved out into some rural place to get, it's like to get ready for the rapture. And I'm like, wait a minute, why would you do that? Okay, if you're a survivalist and if you don't think you're going, maybe you should go do that. 
If you think you're going to get left behind. But if you know you're going, why, what? God can pick you up quicker there? What's the deal? And in fact, if you really believe that, wouldn't you rather be in a place where there are millions of people that you could have the biggest impact on in sharing the gospel? You see, it was just, it was silliness. And again, they had a prophetic worldview, but not the proper one. So just in closing tonight, I hope that you have been stirred up to remembrance in your sincere heart, that it's important as part of our Christian worldview not to ignore the prophecy of Scripture, that it's important that we are always looking forward to the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in so doing, in our worldview, we, we can rightly divide not only the word of truth, but rightly divide what we see and what we hear is going on in this world. And we can compare it to scripture and go, I get this. Now we're not gonna get everything. You know, there's, there's a point in time when everybody is absolutely sure the European, you know, 10 federation nation was it. We're done, we're out of here. Didn't happen. It's gone five to 10 to 12, back to eight, back, you know, who knows? With the rise of Islam, Fitting into here, this is something nobody talked about in the 70s. We had no idea that this could happen. So we have lots of things that we could look at and we can say, I don't totally get it, but I do get one thing. The nations are gathering. All we have to do is read a newspaper once a day and we know that the nations are gathering and plotting and planning against Israel, amen? We need to pay attention. We need to be stirred. We need to have a sense of urgency about going about God's business. So as uh, Rachel comes up here to lead us in a closing song, why don't you just bow with me and we'll have a word of prayer. So Heavenly Father, just thank you for your word. Thank you for, for Peter sharing that with us, Lord. Um, and it's interesting to note that there are already scoffers and marker, mockers that soon. And Lord, that they continue until today. And I, I do pray, Lord, that you have stirred up our hearts tonight. And that we will be reminded that we need to have a prophetic worldview, that we need to not ignore what you have to say about what's happening. And Lord, that we, it helps us to understand that we are just passing through this world. And we're to do the best that we can with what you've given us to share the gospel, to, to um, love people around us, Lord, um, to represent you in every single way to the best that, of our ability, the ability that you give us by the power of your spirit, God. We, we want to do that. And so stir up our thoughts and our, our ways tonight, Lord. Bring us into a place where really our first priority is to spend time with you and then to serve you. Hey, folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages. You can access devotionals and you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.